is Sylvia Schneider and Diana Belvar with Equinely Inclined, the equine podcast for the internet horse community. Episode 172, A Trainer, Two Phillies, and a Love Story. Recorded on October 15, 2018. Brought to you in part by Pondside Digital Media with online strategy consulting and advising by sylviaschneider.ca. And this episode is also brought to you by you, our listeners, through your generous Patreon donations at patreon.com slash equine podcast. Thank you for your support. Hi, I'm Sylvia Schneider. And I'm Diana Belbar. This episode will include... A small correction regarding Gail Greeno. Short summer, short fall. Introducing more people to horses. An interview with horse trainer Jason Irwin and his wife Bronwyn. Our Patreon goal, please help us reach it. And what's happening in Chilliwack, BC? Well, I promised we'd get back to some Main Event Expo interviews, and that seems fitting, as the Main Event Expo is happening in Chilliwack, BC this weekend. Uh, Yep, it is. (laughs) Don't worry, we have plenty planned for show jumping in future episodes. Before we get going, we have a small correction regarding Gail Greeno. Hey, Diana. Yeah. <laughs> you know, shortly after the last episode went live, I heard from Gail Greeno that she actually was from Edmonton, not Sherwood Park, not Strathcona County, so I promised her I would definitely set the record straight. Oops. Well, you know, we don't make that many mistakes, do no. we? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, borders change, like the... It's true. All around, all the time, yeah. so... It was just the wrong time, I guess. We tr- we tried to, we, you know, steal her away from Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. <laughs> well, you know, and with regards to a, a lot of show jumping records and that sort of thing, remember mm-hmm. I said that I was going to try and arrange an interview with somebody who's been around for quite a while in the show jumping uh, at a high I level? Do. And uh, I did arrange that interview. Oh, great. So but that'll be upcoming. It will be upcoming, but it won't be um, probably until the end of October, early November. Okay. There yeah. we go. Anyway, we've had a short summer <laughs> and a short fall. The snow yeah. just keeps coming and going and not in small batches. Mm-hmm. I feel so betrayed, Mother Nature. Well, you know, I always say that we're supposed to have one mud season a year and it's called spring. <laughs> and now we've had two mud seasons and, and so far we've had four months Only four months with no snow. Um, You know, I actually think it's only been three, Diana. (laughs) We had snow in May? I think we did because I think we ragged on and on about how miserable things were. Well, then that means that we are right in line for the old snow joke. I love this. (laughs) Alberta is nine months of winter and three months of poor sledding. Well, isn't that for sure? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so... We're not really complaining, you know. Yeah. Remember (laughs) the beginning of this year, I said, this is the year we introduce more people to equal you know mm-hmm. yes i do remember yeah. well i i i had the hastings lake hoedown this weekend and oh, with yeah. the help of uh, two of my students and a former student we introduced 25 children to horses oh that's awesome mm-hmm. how did that go because i know it wasn't a very nice uh, day and i was worried about well, that you know it seems to me wasn't it rob that said i didn't realize you were quite that crazy <laughs> but yeah you know it was actually cute because one of the moms came to me and said when we pulled into the parking lot, the kids looked over to the arena, mm-hmm. and they didn't see the trailer and the horses oh. there, and they said, oh, 
<laughs> the ponies aren't here. Oh, no. <laughs> and her mom, the mom said, oh, no, I'm sure Diana brought the ponies. I'm sure the ponies are here or will yeah. be here. Right. And then as they were walking to the hall, they could see that we had put them right beside the hall, behind the trees where there was ah. some shelter. Yeah, a little bit of windbreak. Yeah. So it was like, you know, zero degrees and a bit of a wind chill. But we had, we actually got some sun. It was actually quite nice. Yeah, and 25 newcomers to horses. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel good because I, I feel like I've contributed because I brought seven newbies to you over the past two months. <laughs> right. Yeah. I remember, I remember um, Clover coming. Oh, that I know. That was funny. That was crazy. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't expect her to be on. Yeah. Yeah. That little <laughs> granddaughter of yours, I think we created a monster. Well, she's not, she wasn't even quite two. She's just turned two. Mm-hmm. And like, I really didn't expect her to be on the back of a pony. Yes, I think we created a monster there, Sylvia, because that little one, I think, is going to be horse crazy. And then this weekend, who did you bring out this weekend? This weekend, I brought out actually my niece and great nieces and nephew. That's what that was. All (laughs) right. I just remember there was two young girls and a little toddler boy. Well, yeah, he was almost four and he didn't want to have anything to do with the horses. No, he when, sure didn't, did but he? But when he saw his sisters on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took him a while. You know what was really funny was I told them that they had to wear helmets and, mm-hmm. I, and he didn't want a helmet either. No. And then in the end, when I said, so would you like to have a ride on the pony? They yes. brought him over to have a pat. He said, well, I don't have a helmet on. Right. Whoa. I know. I said, who's clever child is this to <laughs> remember that that was, awesome. That. That was yeah. awesome yeah but you know the kids are great and and it's always fun and mm-hmm. and a challenge mm-hmm. to get the young ones under four up mm-hmm. on a horse's back right and then the challenge is getting them off right well you said that there were a couple of tearful moments oh, yes. uh, on at the at the hoedown <laughs> yeah again with children that don't want to get up and right. then don't want to get down oh well you so, know what it's always fun. Yeah. Always fun. <laughs> I love introducing people to horses. Yeah. And you know, Diana, I always wonder what our listeners have been up to. Um, you know, I posted the image of things I wanted to or needed to do before winter comes. And I wonder what's on our listeners list. Mm, well, I don't want to think what's on my list. So please, people, let me know what's on yours. <laughs> I would rather know that. Well, I also wonder, too, how many of you listeners have introduced someone new to horses this year? Oh, for sure. Tell us about your successes. Yeah. Well, let's tell people how they can contact us. Well, for now, the easiest way is for people to get in touch via Facebook page, right? Yeah. So that might change, but not for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sure, just leave us a message and we should be able to reply. It's worked with other people. Oh, for sure. So this seems like a good time to include our interview with Jason and Bronwyn Irwin. Yeah, it's a long interview and it is super. We're going to do it in two parts, so make sure you stick around to the end of the episode for the second part. Well, I realized the Chilliwack Main Event Expo is this weekend, and we hadn't aired Jason's interview from the Red Deer Main Event. Lo and behold, Jason is participating again at the Chilliwack Main Event. So this is a great opportunity for you to hear about him ahead of the event. Mm -hmm. And this interview is a long one, but very interesting. Jason and Bronwyn are very easy to talk with, and it's a lot of fun to hear how they met. So let's hear part one. Indeed. 
Well, Diana here, and uh, lucky to have with us Jason and Bronwyn Irwin. And uh, Jason is here with the Trainers Challenge in Red Deer, Alberta for the main event, 2018. And the first thing we'd like you to do, if you don't mind, Jason, is give people a little bit of an idea about how you came to be with horses. Well, that's been in my family an awful long time. Uh, my great-granddad and his brothers were, I think, the biggest horse dealers in Ontario back in their time. And then uh, my parents, both of them, were always really interested in horses, and they always had some. And then uh, when I came along, I don't remember when I started riding, so I imagine it was fairly young. <laughs> I see pictures of myself, and I couldn't... I was probably in diapers. But anyways, I've just been riding for a long time, but I got interested in the training end of things fairly young. And that's so I started my first colt when I was about 12 years old. Wow. And that's so I've just been, I liked riding, but just riding for the sake of riding wasn't really all I wanted to do. I was interested very early on how to get a horse to be just a little bit better or teach it something that somebody else didn't, else's horse didn't know or something like that. So I, I was always trying to get just a little bit better. And hopefully I am a little bit better. <laughs> but I guess that someone else can tell you whether that's true or not. <laughs> and now you have done a few other trainers challenges down in the States, you were saying? Yeah, yeah, I've done a few of them. And uh, I got to say, though, the main event here where we're at, I like it the best of anywhere I've been. They One of the biggest things here is they have a nice group of horses. And they're, although you'll never get horses that are the same, they are fairly even. And then we do get to pick them. So everybody makes the point <laughs> that if you pick the horse and it all goes bad, it was your fault for doing it. <laughs> where, if you get it where if you get into a luck of the draw type thing, if you get a really hard one, well, then maybe you have more trouble. But if you get a too easy of a one, you maybe look like you didn't do anything. And that, so I, I like this one a lot. I really, really like this one. Now, you did have to draw to see who got to choose first, though. Yes. So where were you in the draw? Actually, I won the draw in theory because I was the first person. But talking to the other trainers out back, we actually all got the horse we said went in to get. Oh, and that, that so funny? we you all seen them, watched them, and decided it. Yeah, I looked at mine out in the uh, pens everyone was allowed to walk out and look at them in their stalls but they weren't allowed to go in the stalls or touch them in any way and that so I went down the row and uh, she was my first pick when they got into the arena I maybe would have switched I was debating between the two buckskins and that and I thought well I might trade and go for the other one I thought no I'll stick with the original choice and that and I had a pretty good feel for what the other guys were going to do so don't quote me but I'm 99% sure everybody got the horse they went in to get oh there you go and what is the barn name stretch for you yeah that's I didn't pick it (laughs) (laughs) there but uh, she was the biggest filly here Mm -hmm. and uh, they named her stretch coming in so we stuck with that one yeah rangy a little rangy a little uh, more of the racy she yes they actually racy was the word they used and that when they were describing her out back because you're allowed to ask the owners questions about the horses and they would tell you different things and they said this filly might be a challenge and that and uh, to be honest I was kind of looking for a horse that was going to be, I don't want to say tough, but that was going to... Show you off. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, because sometimes what will happen is you'll do it and they say, oh, it's a good thing you got the easy one. <laughs> and that, and that, it look easy. And there, and you think, well, I was trying to make it look that way. <laughs> and that, so then you think, well, so this time I intentionally wanted something with a little bit of 
more to it, and I did like the idea that she was bigger because this is a long enough competition that I wanted a horse that was going to last the whole competition. Sometimes you get really small when you'll do really well at the start, but then they'll get kind of tired on you, mm-hmm. and that's so I was looking for size. Oh, okay. So um, now this, how do you feel about her now? Oh, I'm just happy as can be. Yeah. And that uh, she she was tough earlier on. She wanted to buck with the saddle on and things like that. Terribly much so. Yeah, yeah. she she yeah. did a good job. <laughs> but, but you know what I noticed? Um, like, you keep a light touch on the rein. Mm-hmm. And even when she was bucking around you in a circle, she never pulled on that rein. No. She stayed loose. There, There's something to that, though. Yeah. Um, before I got to that point, I had... I'd lunge around a little bit and then swing her butt away. And I would just pick up on the rein and then put pressure towards the butt, which would turn the butt out. And that, so even when she was bucking, although it didn't look it, I'm sure to anyone that was watching, but I'm not making this up, this is true. I was, when she would go forward, I could pull just enough that that butt would swing just enough away that I could keep her going in a circle. Right. And that's so... A little, little off balance from the bucking. Well, a little bit, but if they get in a straight safe. line, they can yeah. run straight away from you. Where keeping her on that bit of a curve, I could still keep control of the filly. Right, because you're not going to hang on them when they're running straight away. No, you're pretty much toast by that <laughs> yeah. time that <laughs> yeah. happens. Yeah. And that, so it, there, there was a plan behind it. So actually, even when she was looked like nothing was going right, it, the oh, training yeah. was kicking in a little bit. I don't want to say a lot when they're bucking, no, but no, no. it was working. But I thought so, because that's what I said. You like to keep a light hand on the rein. Yes. And you were already teaching her a light feel. Yep. And know, it sure seemed to work to me. Well, to me, a lot of times I find I can ride a colt and have them lighter mouthed, or in this case I'm using a halter or a hackamore or something like this, or lighter off the nose than a lot of people have on a horse that's been ridden 10 years but you're dealing with something fresh that's never learned to resist and that and I've really really concentrated over a long time trying to get good at being soft and that and they'll learn so much faster and I took this to a bit of an extreme in a way like I would put a pair of reins over the back of a chair and I'd maybe be watching TV practicing shortening and lengthening my reins without looking at them and <laughs> yes, stuff like great. this and I got where I could move them around pretty easy and pretty soft and stuff like that and then when I ask a horse to do something off rein pressure I'll experiment with seeing just how little I can do to get the result I'm after and it's surprising how quick you can get one soft that yeah. way. Now, you never did a lot of lunging to start with, or you didn't do a lot of the join-up stuff. You didn't uh, free lunge at all. You just went right in, caught her, altered her. No, I didn't run her around a lot, but I have nothing against that, and I will do it myself sometimes with certain horses. But actually, I was using some of the same principles. So early on, on the first day, I would keep backing away from her and bringing her up to me. Well, in join-up, you run them around, and then, in theory, they come up to you one time, and you have join-up. But I I brought her in to me several times over the course of just a minute or two. So the, although I had the halter and lead rope as a safety net, and I could bring her in, like I helped the cause, but at the same time, I sort of did 20 little mini join-ups instead of one big one. And that, so it's not that one's better than the, than the other, but I like that way if I can get away with it. If you have a really rank horse, it's better off if you're not... T- a hold of them because oh, yeah. if I heard the statement once if you've got a hold of them they've got a hold of you too <laughs> so keep that in mind That's for sure. and that so with a really rough one I'd rather turn them loose but if I think I can get it done on the line then I go to the line route plus I feel that I don't wear them out as much and I can help them if there's a problem so like if, again bucking with the saddle if I can control them on the line I can maybe stop that bucking or at least diminish it 
where if they were completely loose with that saddle on, they might hit the panels and skin themselves up or something like that. And it's just it's a way to keep it out of trouble. And it's not that you won't have problems, but you can make the problems smaller that way. Right. At the same time, if someone isn't pretty good at it, you don't want to be holding on to a horse while they're bucking. So, yeah. no. so don't listen to this and go out and try it. No, that's exactly That's for sure. We always talk about that with mm-hmm. the trainer's challenges. But I thought it was really interesting. You got a lot done in that first session, too, mm-hmm. because you there was no... <coughs> wasted time there at all so I mean you rubbed all over with your hand looking for trouble spots you uh, you did tarp sacking out and I thought that it was interesting you made sure that people knew um, don't cross over the back right away do no. one side right go back and do the other side mm-hmm. and don't be throwing it over the top right away I thought that was a, a good thing to a good point to point uh, out well, I know <laughs> not I know not to do that because I've done it wrong yeah. and what will happen is some people don't realize it but what horses learn out of one eye they don't necessarily yeah. learn out of the other yeah. they have to be taught equally on both sides so if you get the horse used to the tarp on say the left side which is usually where the person's going to be standing you'll they'll be comfortable with it you'll cross the tarp over their back They'll turn, see it out of their right eye, and jump to their left. Unfortunately, that's where the trainer's standing. And that, so I've done that. The tarp crossed over and it dove away from it on top of me. Mm. And that, so once you get stomped once, you tend to learn these things (laughs) a little bit firmer and it becomes a little more of a hard and fast rule. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, but that first session, I mean, um, uh, you did a lot of uh, jumping up and down beside, not a lot. But you did jump up and down beside the horse, get her used to that movement. Mm-hmm. You got your knee in the stirrup, got her used to the weight, mm-hmm. right? And what she didn't want to do was stand mm-hmm. for you to get the weight up and, mm-hmm. and get up. But you just let her walk around in circles mm-hmm. for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then when you thought, no, she's okay with this now, then you said, no, it's time now to yeah. stand still. Well, sometimes if you just... I don't want to say let them make a mistake too much, but if they're just a little unsure or something, if you just be persistent they have sometimes it'll just work its way out so i kind of look at it, if they don't knew it, know anything yet why get into a fight or an argument with them if it's just something that'll work its way out at the same time though if they just continuously do the th- the wrong thing you don't want to make the wrong thing the habit yeah. so now it's you'll hit a point and every trainer kind of needs to make that judgment call depending on the horse they're working with but if it feels like the wrong thing is becoming the new norm just mix it up a bit that doesn't mean punish or do anything or reprimand them because they're not trying to be bad and that but just do something to change it so like that filly there kept wanting to back up so then when I would step in the saddle I'd turn her head a little bit so she couldn't back just as easily and it wasn't very long before she started stopping she didn't do it perfectly but she got a little better and then as you saw today that problem I won't say it's gone but it sure didn't show (laughs) itself this afternoon yeah for sure So we're going to take a little break here to talk to you about our Patreon page. Right. Equinely Inclined has a Patreon page. Our patron support through Patreon is the only way other than personal funds for us to keep this podcast alive. Truly, personal funds are running short at the moment, so we're ramping up the plea for patrons and hope to have a minimum of 10 new patrons by the end of October. Mm -hmm. Check it out at patreon.com slash equine podcast and you'll see there are posts there for paying patrons that our regular podcast listeners don't have access to. Indeed, when we were at Spruce Meadows, we did several videos video interviews with athletes 
athletes. We videoed a few behind-the-scenes press conferences and shot some of the uh, other behind-the-scenes videos that are available only for our paying patrons. And I know there will be more to come. Right. And I recently had to remove another 10 episodes, which means well over 100 past episodes have been pulled. It's just too expensive to keep them stored on the server and to pay for the bandwidth of listeners downloading them. I'm going to have to pull down even more episodes, sad to say. And you know, those past episodes are really great. Yeah. They include equine information and amazing interviews with top athletes and other industry players in the equine world. Right. Well, the good news is, is that I'm slowly making these past episodes available for paying patrons. And like everything else, it takes time. I know, I know. And I have so many things that I'd like to do for our listeners, both for the podcast and for the Patreon page. But I keep getting drawn to other small, non-horsey projects to help pay the bills. And every moment I spend on these other projects, is time taken away from the podcast and Patreon page and from your enjoyment. That's why we need more patrons. If you enjoy listening to the podcast and look forward to each episode, please become a patron and support the creation of the podcast with a pledge. You can pledge at patreon.com slash equine podcast and we thank all of our patrons so much for their support. Well, Diana, I guess it's time for part two of the interview with Jason and Bronwyn Irwin. Let's have a listen. So let's step away a little bit from your horse and talk to your wife. <laughs> oh, good. The true opinion. The other filly. Go away now, Jason. He's working Bronwyn. with the filly and the old mare. <laughs> so you, you were into uh, horses before you met? Yep. Um, actually, I started out as an English rider when I was a kid. Uh, my family, we didn't have a farm growing up. We were actually hockey players, my sisters and I. And uh, I always loved horses. And so when I was younger, I actually started riding lessons at Miller Brook Stables, which is a home of Ian Miller. I don't think that you can just take kids there for lessons anymore. <laughs> but I'm from Perth, Ontario, and that was the option for us. And my parents, they dedicated themselves to taking me to weekly lessons. And so I rode English up until I was about 20-some. And then uh, I got my first paycheck with the Ottawa Hospital. I worked at the cancer center there and bought a thoroughbred mare and thought I was just going to casually ride around. And then I got back into competing and I thought, I'm going to do jumping. And then I went to this little local show and they had barrel racing there. So I was like, hmm. Might as well try the off-track thoroughbred in the barrel racing. And it was just a lot of fun. And so I kind of concentrated on the barrels and the gaming. And uh, then I got into the rodeo circuit. And what I was doing was looking for a backup horse. And that's when I met Jason. Awesome. He happened to have a nice little black filly. And I bought her over the phone and (laughs) talked to him. And she was actually shipped out to me. And a few weeks later, though, I tragically kind of lost that filly. And um a, a cougar got her oh my basically. gosh yeah. yeah so that happens in Alberta yeah. too, believe it or not so yeah. I had to kind of puff myself back up and figure out what I was gonna do because I was pretty heartbroken not sure if I was gonna continue down that path of getting another young horse and my sister's like come on let's go uh let's go to that place North Star Livestock it was seven hours away from us and I'm like ah oh, fine <laughs> and so we went there and there was a blue roan filly stand in their field and there was Jason standing in their field too so <laughs> I actually bought both Philly <laughs> yeah. and the cowboy yeah. well with us there she bought the first Philly and uh, 
she wrote a note back to us and she said oh she just loved it and they're getting along so well and then she wrote a thank a second one and had a picture of her with the horse and i was kind of looking at her more than the horse <laughs> and, uh, and so i was kind of impressed with both and then uh then she came out and to look at another horse and that and then we kind of hit it off and then uh we went to the well we messaged back and forth and just kind of kept in touch and things like that well more than that we'd message every day but uh, uh, so anyways and then uh, we had our first date at the royal winter fair oh nice and that so it was a nice nice start so then actually last year brahman qualified in the rodeo to be at the royal winter fair so it was kind of like for our little anniversary we went back well and then she ran the fastest time she ever ran so we thought well that was not a bad way to the royal's a pretty good thing for us now yeah Yeah. i thought that that was okay that's cool that is awesome it's really cool so Let's go back to your horse now. I think there's not a lot that you have to do that you haven't done yet. Yeah, I've checked, I think, most of the boxes. That doesn't. I don't want to say I have everything there that I'd like, but the way that I did this one is I was treating today, especially this afternoon session, like it was my last session. Yes. So I, want, I, I don't pay a heck of a lot of attention to the scoring on one of these in one of these competitions because I found that when I first started them I did pay attention to the scoring and then I would maybe make an adjustment to suit what the scoring was doing I'd look at it and say okay they want to see more of this or that and I see I could see why a person would want to do that but then I find found that it kind of threw me off what I was planning because I was doing what I was doing for a reason Maybe the judge saw, knew the reason, maybe he didn't, but I knew in the back of my mind what I wanted to get done. So this competition here, I've come in and I've, I really pay attention to the rules and I follow the guidelines and stuff like that, but I don't get too excited about where I'm sitting on a particular day. But I do treat this day, I did treat this day though, like I was coming in, like this is my final session because that way tomorrow morning I can go in I don't have to start anything new I'll just go over make sure everything that I've done so far is the way I want it and I'll end on a hopefully a fairly soft note and still have lots of horse and have her not worn out for the finals now as I recall she's very comfortable over the obstacles now yeah part of that I tried to make it where the obstacles were actually a reward instead of making it a scary thing so but not just one no. <laughs> all of them. Yeah. We're all together in the middle of the ring. Yeah, no, we got over them all. <laughs> and, that, and they're, they're all right and there, and you're lunging her around them. And, and the yeah. drag, too. Yeah, yeah, we pulled that. Oh, and the drag, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And that, well, what I try to do there is, with that one, uh, a lot of times a trainer will try to get a horse maybe over an obstacle, so the first thing they start doing is kicking and maybe start spotting it with a, a crop or something like that. And But the, I found the trick to that one is, work away from the obstacle and then rest them at the obstacle mm-hmm. after a while that scary thing is the happiest place in the world mm-hmm. so you get them where they're actually looking for that thing that's maybe scaring the other horse yeah. so it's using reverse psychology and it's a fraction of the work and it's a <laughs> heck of a lot safer because if you try to force a horse over something you don't really know what they're going to do if you just practice something somewhere else and then let them rest at it they don't want to be nervous there because that's their rest place. They're happy to be there. Yeah, I re- I'm sure I remember at one point she didn't want to go over the bridge. Mm-hmm. And so you went and worked. 
out just away from the bridge. Mm-hmm. Work, 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 work. She came back right on the bridge. Yep. Yeah. Just bam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But the great. other thing that I really like that you did, and, and people do this, but they don't always tell uh, people enough, is let them chase the thing that's scary. Yeah. So you did that a number of times. Yeah. Well, when I introduce something new, the concept is if, if an object is moving away from a horse, why would the horse be scared of it? It's running from them. Mm-hmm. And that, so I heard the comment once that horses aren't afraid of predators as much as they are predatory behavior. So if you're around a horse, if you're really calm and relaxed, a lot of times the horse takes no note of you. If you crouch and take an aggressive posture automatically, the horse starts get, getting nervous. And that, so it's the, it's not so much what's scaring the horse it's what that thing is doing that's why a plastic bag is scary if it blows across the field at a horse they die a thousand deaths yeah if it's blowing across the field away from the horse it's leaving so why do they care and that so if i can have it where i back away and bring the scary thing with me and the horse is following it all of a sudden they're like instead of that being scary they're like oh what's that (laughs) and then sometimes it even turns into a bit of a game they'll try to chase it a little bit and that i don't think we've done quite enough with that to get that today and that but uh, again it just makes things easier i'm not forcing it on the horse it's actually curious it wants to be by that thing that might be scary and if it was introduced in a different way well i we've watched a lot of trainers challenges now and uh I used to always tell people, at first, I, I didn't think I'd be the least bit interested in a trainer's <laughs> challenge. I really didn't. Um, I, I was very concerned about the message that it imparted to people who, who, weren't, all, who weren't ready mm-hmm. for it, right? I thought, you're going to give them too much information, and they're going to go out and try it. But, but it's not like that. It's no. not like that. A lot of the people that are there watching, number one, are educated people and do work with horses and mm-hmm. want to learn more. Mm-hmm. But um, everyone's so careful to make sure that they impart all the all the uh, safety mm-hmm. to people and to tell them that this is not the be-all, end-all. This horse is not broke, people. No. <laughs> right? This is just the start, and it's very artificial. And it's very upfront, and I absolutely love watching them. Mm-hmm. But I've really enjoyed watching your work with that little buckskin mirror jason oh thank you yeah and uh, yeah it's just been awesome so um yeah is there anything that you do have that you think could cause you problems on the final day with the philly yeah um probably the one place i've deviated from my norm is that uh, i'm riding this philly i rode her in uh, just the rope halter and then I switched over to a hackamore, but in a way, it's not really a hackamore. It's just uh, basically a, a soft, thick rope halter, and that. So it's usually I do ride them with a snaffle bit, mm-hmm. and that. And the reason is, if they act up a little bit, I can turn their head a little bit easier and keep them from bucking or running or doing something silly, and that. And I just feel more comf- comfortable with it myself because that's what I always do. This filly here, she's. She, originally, she was very, very head shy. Now, I've played with her quite a bit and got where I can rub around her ears and rub her face and stuff like that, but she really doesn't want me to rub around her nose. So each day, I play with it just for a minute, get her a little bit better and quit, but I am i don't know. I think I could get the bridle on her, but I'm kind of worried she's going to throw her head enough, and if they throw their head quite a bit, when you put the bit in their mouth, if it bangs their teeth when you do that, then now they don't like they first they didn't know what the bridle was now it hit them in the teeth now they really don't want to have anything to do with that bridle and that so 
if this filly was my own and I had her at home and stuff like that, what I would do with her is ride her, continue using a rope halter or hackmore or something like that. And then when the day was over and she was a little bit tired and relaxed and let down, I would put her in her stall, rub her head a little bit, play with her nose a little bit each day. And then after a couple days, start sliding the, the bridle on and off her. But today I debated trying to put it on. And then I thought, no, it's a fight I don't need. And she's, it's not that she's trying to be bad. She just doesn't quite understand what I'm after. And she's doing a good enough job in what I'm riding her in that I don't think it's necessary, that she'll accept it later on, and it's just, it'll work. Seems good to me. (laughs) It seems to me that you did uh, talk a lot about how to prep the horse Mm -hmm. to get a bridle on. So I like the um, taking the rope up over the head behind the ears. You Mm -hmm. did that a few times, and you worked on on the nose a little bit, but it was just a a a quick pet, take it away. You worked a little on that. And I think that's, you know, when when you had done... All that work was probably when you thought, you know, and she was a little high-headed, too, mm-hmm. right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you did some work on lowering her head and so on. But I think you know how to pick your battles. Yeah, I really, I really, really focus on bringing out the good points and that. So if there's a, an issue, it's not that I won't, I'll let a problem sit. I'll still get it looked after. But I don't jump in looking for a problem and that that I'll pick the strengths, build on the strengths. Some of the problems will actually kind of take care of themselves. And that so that's where I need to time, need to decide what's important and what isn't. And that so I and the thing about it is, if you build on their strengths, the horse feels like a winner. If you work only on the problems, you're working in the areas that the horse resists or doesn't like and stuff like that. So if you move from one problem to another, the entire training session is stressful for the horse. If you work on something they want to do and then give them a big reward, they think to themselves, well, that was a pretty good deal. I I got petted for doing exactly what I think I could have done (laughs) and what I'm good at. And that's like this filly here, for instance. She likes to move out more. She's got a big trot on her. She's got a pretty nice lope on her. And that, so if I was trying to force her to stand still all the time, and that that's actually almost a little bit of a punishment for her because she wants to go. So the way I look at it is she wants to go to win, to do very well in this competition. I need her to go, so let's work on going. After a while, when she's relaxed and maybe just a little bit tired, that's when we work on stopping. So there's no no fighting, no arguing, anything. We got it all done. We just yeah. picked the easier route to get there. Yeah, and even even the difficult things, you work on them just a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, this filly in particular, she'll do something right about three or four times, and then after that, then she's like, no, I've done that. I quit. <laughs> and that, yeah. so yeah. I get it. smart. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's really smart. I, I really like her. That was and that. saddling when, when you had her saddling and she was bucking off and then she seemed to be absolutely good. And she yep. was, and then you went to go over the tarp that last time. And she went off. And left and she <laughs> went, oh, no, I remember what I could Yeah, do. she yeah. got back to it. Well, that one there, I was in just a little bit of a quandary because I didn't think she was actually going to buck that time. No. One thing with her I've noticed when she reacts, she doesn't give you any warning. It's so she, quick. it's just like a flash in the pan. It's everything's calm and all of a sudden let's go. And that, so when she did that, I hadn't, I wasn't really expecting, it didn't entirely surprise me, but I assumed it wasn't going to happen. But when it did, 
we only had a couple of minutes left but I then I worked her around for a minute got her going for just a minute with nothing going wrong and then I wanted to end there because I didn't want to go a little farther and have something else happen and that that I found a happy point it wasn't a long period but I did find a bit of a happy spot to quit on and if you can just every no matter what you're doing if you can find a good point leave it next day chances are it's going to be a little better you don't need to get something finished and that you just you kind of chip away at the rock and after a while it's into what you want it didn't seem that Mm -hmm. it caused any trouble no ongoing so that was that you obviously you got it taken care of and it was okay yeah because it could have gone so that you would have had to work hard on it the next day as well but that didn't happen yeah there were things all the way along that i was doing a suit to work on that Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to explain to a crowd everything because when you sometimes you're doing three things at the same time well which one do you pick and that (laughs) so you you, also have to concentrate on the horse a little too well very often when i don't know which one i'm supposed to be talking about i'll pick the more obvious topic and stuff like that but like for instance i was putting the rope around her belly and i would just put a slight tension on take it away slight tension on take it away so i'm sort of mimicking the girth being tightened on the horse so it didn't entirely prevent her from reacting to the saddle but i don't think if i had if i hadn't done that i honestly don't think i'd have got the saddle done up in the first place without her reacting a little more than she did so overall i'm pretty pleased Mm -hmm. now you did have another issue when you roped her butt Mm -hmm. and she took exception to that too right but you went back to it and you got that dealt with Mm -hmm. right so i think that it's it's great um you do have to and i think you said this Sometimes you have to push a little to, mm-hmm. to make the horse confident. Mm-hmm. You know, like you've got to get through those things, right? Mm-hmm. I found a lot of times that we teach a lot of clinics, and uh, a lot of times a person will come out and they'll say different things that I know it's the person's opinion more than the horse's. And that, so like they'll say, for instance, my horse will ride for 30 minutes and then it will quit. And they'll say, I could nearly set my watch by this. This horse will come out and quit at 30 minutes. What actually happens is they come out, they ride the horse for a while, the horse gets tired, the horse starts to stop at 30 minutes, the rider lets them stop and then says, oh, it stopped, and they get off. After a while, the horse just stops after that 30 minutes. <laughs> I, the horse. Yeah, I don't have to set my clock because well, my horses tell me when the lesson's Well, over. they learn routines so well. Uh-huh. And that, so a lot of times I'll be at a clinic and it kind of strikes me funny and we'll go say the 30-minute thing. It's not 30 minutes with everyone, but they'll ride for 30 minutes. The horse starts to want to stop. The rider takes it, takes the legs off to let it stop, and then they'll say, "See, I told you it stopped." <laughs> and then they say, "What do I do about this?" And I'll be standing there and Use say, "I'll say, squeeze to go." And they ride <laughs> off again, and then say, "Oh, it worked." <laughs> so sometimes oh it gets a little bit funny, but oh, it's yeah. you have to. It's not that you never push. You need to kind of progress a little bit all the time. Mm-hmm. So I get that too, where people say, well, I've been working on something and I've been working on it for two, two years or three years or something like that. It's a long time. And I understand sometimes progress is slow, but chances are, if you've been working on it for two years, if you haven't solved it by now, you're not going to solve it. You need <laughs> to make a different route to go with this horse <laughs> and that. So, but just instead of pushing through as in wham, bam, there just get them a little bit better today a little bit better tomorrow and you'll get there before too long but you're always looking for issues and you're always pushing that little bit Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes people get into trouble because they they keep it so easy on the horse 
that they never push them beyond to see what they will do when they are pushed. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, one day. One day it goes bad. Well, actually. push a little too hard. It happens. And the bad things happen. Well, I've found that an awful lot. Somebody will send a horse for training and they'll say, well, this horse has never done anything wrong. Then it turns out the horse has never done anything. The yeah. horse has never done anything wrong. <laughs> You've asked nothing of it. <laughs> and that, and uh, I find some people really downplay what a horse is capable of. And that, and you can do quite a bit. It doesn't all take forever. It's not that you want to rush. You know, I don't want to do that, and I don't want to see anyone else do it. Uh, but at the same time, you can be better than you were yesterday. If you're there for three months doing the exact same thing with the same results and it's not improving, you're on the wrong track and that so don't get caught into this there's a statement that sometimes it's very true but it also can be drive me crazy and someone will say oh we're just going slow and easy Mm. and that and in some ways yeah you want to go slow and easy but if slow and easy and you're in the same spot you were last year you're gone too slow and you're gone and you haven't done anything you're not you're not doing any progress it's like putting a kid in school and saying he did really well at grade one let's keep him there for six years (laughs) and that that isn't the idea you don't go from grade one to grade six but you do move to grade two and then eventually you get to three like it's a gradual progression that's the whole point i guess i'm trying to make oh that's really fun well now let's finish off with bronwyn oh no just like this because you know we know you're competing so when's your next competition coming up? Do you know? Um, it's in June. At the beginning of June, I'll be entering one of the Ram Rodeos in Ontario. So I'll do the pole bending and the barrel racing. And, yeah, my horses are on track to uh, to be really sharp, I think. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. One problem I maybe have here, too, is that when I was teaching the clinics and that, Bronwyn came to a lot of the clinics, and she t- teaches quite a few people, like, individually, and that, but then she helps me in the bigger group lessons and that, the clinics, so then she start, she booked her own the other day and excluded me in it, so now, now I have new competition, so I don't know if I have to try to undercut her or see if I can't steal a few of her customers on her. But. It's got to be a collaboration. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we work pretty good together. Oh, well, it sounds to me like you guys are off to a flaming good start mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, awesome we'll have to yeah and I, I imagine that one of these days at the Royal Winter Fair they're going to have this big thing about this couple who <laughs> 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 started their relationship right there at the, the Royal, Royal Winter yeah. Fair and now it's many years later yeah. look yeah. they're still here well I always like when they sent her us out today it was Somebody dropped a hint, not going to point any fingers, but it was Bronwyn. (laughs) (laughs) Mentioned to the people here that my birthday was yesterday, so they ended up singing happy birthday to me in the middle of the the training ring. So that wasn't embarrassing at all. (laughs) Could have been with Moosehead. Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah, You only have, I don't know how many people are in there. How how many hundred or whatever, all singing happy birthday to you. So. Well, it the stands were funny. absolutely full. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a very yeah, good, very good show. Good show. There's well, a lot of hundreds there. Well, you mentioned earlier about the trainers' challenges. Just in general, you didn't know what to expect from them at the beginning mm-hmm. when you first started going to them. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I love about them is any other horse competition, you're watching the finished product. And that's so if you watch, it uh, doesn't matter whether it be raining or cutting or dressage or whatever yeah. it is, you're seeing what that horse is t- that day. But you don't know if that person trained that horse, whether another trainer started that horse, how much help they needed along the way, what the story was, whether the methods were 
calm and soft or a little rougher or whatever. Here you're seeing what actually happens. We can't prep these horses. We have no idea coming in what the type of horse is that we're going to get. And that, so you're actually, you're seeing the stages. So that's personally, I find them, although I do like horse shows, I like watching them and stuff like that. But this is more the meat and potatoes of it. This is the actual, how do we get there? You don't get to see the whole thing because these are only two or three days long and that, but it's, it's the actual training. It's not the finished deal. So uh, that I like, I like that part. And people get to see a lot of different horse personalities and a lot of different techniques and, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, that's important too, because not every horse is the same. And well, one thing I really noticed, I'd be, I'd watch a training DVD and they'd get on a horse and the horse would do everything perfect and then all of a sudden it shows them they cut to a different scene and the horse is doing something else good and then you kind of think what happened in between times (laughs) (laughs) did that horse that's being ridden for the first time actually ride that way from start to finish you know the the first it's funny because i actually bought uh, the cds from the first trainer's challenge that i went to okay (laughs) yeah but um yeah except that i couldn't get them to work on my machine oh (laughs) Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, a yeah. real frustration to me one yeah. of these days. Yeah. I just packed them away, and then I'll go back to them mm-hmm. later. But there was some really particularly interesting things that happened then. But I think that the uh, you're right about the stock. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. just wonderful mm-hmm. stock. Yeah. And this was a lot of years ago, and and there was some pretty rank horses. Well, I was in one one time, and uh, it was a one where different horses came from different owners so one person might bring one one person might bring two and they all had completely different backgrounds different breeds different sizes different handling anything and anyways the i remember watching one horse come off the trailer and he just glistened like a diamond. He'd had a bath. He was all show sheened up his mane and tail. He'd had a clip job. He looked he looked good. And that he's a pretty horse too. And that and then there's another trailer that comes in and you hear bang, 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 bang. And there was a group of young horses on there that had never worn a halter in their lives. They never we weren't halter broke. Oh my gosh. So anyways, of course I drew the drew my number out of the hat and I got one that never worn a halter before and that so it was just so different mm-hmm. and it was comparing apples to oranges yeah. and actually that colt there I got it where it was riding good and everything went fine and that but you were starting <laughs> From way scratch. behind like <laughs> the other, some of the others were had a pretty significant edge and that but that doesn't give you a true comparison of what the trainer can do no. and that so it's it's neat to watch in a way yeah. and that but you need a somewhat level playing field. You're never going to get a true accurate thing. Yeah. I think and it's it, pretty level here, though, eh? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that uh, levels, I think you're going to get it. Yeah. Put it that way. It's yeah. not level, but it's as close as you're going to get. Yeah. And that, but like, again, like I mentioned earlier, when you get to pick your own horse, then if there's a problem, that was your fault. You can't blame anybody <laughs> yeah. for, for that one. Yeah. And there, so I think that's, they, they really try here to do it right. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the first time we've ever had anything to do with main event and that, but. I just I couldn't say anything but good about them. They've just been terrific, and they try to do this. And one thing, uh, we have a meeting before the competition even begins. It's a trainer's meeting, and the judges are there and the people that organize the thing and stuff like that. And they really stress the point that it it's nice if you win, but the whole idea here is to get the horse off to a good start and educate the crowd why you did what you did and show them some things that maybe they can do but you are supposed to make the point that don't just go home and try to copy this because they're not to pump myself up or 
the other trainers though this is the same story we all although sometimes it maybe looks easy at certain points there's a lot of things we're doing but there's a lot of things we're not doing <laughs> we know kind of how to stay out of trouble maybe a little more it doesn't mean we never get into trouble but we've done this enough that we kind of know when you can move on when you need to take a step back or wait maybe where you need to stay where you are and that so it's until someone's done it quite a bit they don't have that feel and that timing so it comes down to just working with this a lot and i always tell people like this is neat and that and i i i like doing what we're doing here and i like working at the speed i'm working at i don't call it fast but i think i'm moving along and that but i tell people if you're going to err on too fast on the side of too fast or too slow err on the side of too slow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know the thing that the thing that people can't gain that quickly is not just seeing what's happening but the simple Mm -hmm. reflexes to get the job done like you have to have really good reflexes and that comes with practice the timing yeah so so of course of course you make it look easy (laughs) well the the timing is so important because horses don't learn from pressure they learn from the release of pressure Mm -hmm. so if you pick up on a bridle rein for instance if that horse starts to turn the earn because they gave to that pressure the faster you can release that pressure the quicker that horse is going to learn that maneuver so a lot of times you'll see somebody maybe pulling and hauling on their horse and they'll say yeah i'm doing the same thing you did no they're not and that they're yes they're pulling and yes they're letting go but they're doing it at the wrong time and some of it comes down to such a split second reflex that it's something you can't you can teach you can put people on the right track but you can't entirely teach it because the time by the time you tell somebody let go it's too late anyways (laughs) and that so you almost correct them on the one thing and then hope that next time when that same situation comes up they react properly the next time because by the time i get the words out of my mouth it's too late it's too late yeah Yeah, we know that (laughs) oh this was delightful you guys and now we really need people to know uh, if they'd like to learn more about you or uh, get in contact with you what's their best route well we've got a few of them (laughs) (laughs) that's uh at the moment there our facebook is probably the best way to keep track of what we're doing and it's jason and bronwyn irwin horsemanship and uh that's we post quite a bit on there well bronwyn does i'm not very good at this stuff <laughs> and that but uh, no someone we put, has to be yeah some, someone needs to be the brains <laughs> and she's it and that but uh no that's probably the best way but then uh our family business the horse business that we raise horses and stuff like that it's north star livestock so either on facebook north star livestock or www.northstarlivestock.com and that but actually if you go on there like both pages and you'll see what we're doing all the way around the place so (laughs) go for both very cool Great. Thanks so much for doing the interview, oh. especially at the end of a long day. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are two hours difference in time zone, so yeah, we're yeah. tired. You're extra tired. Well, we're, we were doing this, and, and those pens, the pen down there, it's surprising how warm it is. Oh, yeah. And then you're working around this horse, so jumping up and down and carrying on. I noticed today I had to tighten my belt another loop. <laughs> and that, so I, th- I think I've lost weight and gotten tired, too. So I'm kind of... Oh, that's right. crazy. Thanks again. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. 
Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Jason again in Chilliwack. So let's go over the list of what's happening at Chilliwack this weekend. Oh, this will be a little depressing since I can't be there with you. Diana, that's for sure. I am really going to miss you. Hmm. Well, okay. Let's have a look. Let's see what's on that list. I haven't even seen it yet. I didn't want to. Well, you know, Gail uh, is one of the people that contacted me on the page and let me know what was going on. Excellent. I I thought that was great. So uh, Gail and Ron Barker and their uh, amazing family are putting on the main event expo that's happening this week Mm -hmm. in Chilliwack, BC. So um, they said, come and join the fun, learn, shop, and be entertained at the main event Equine Education and Trade Fair, October 19th to 21st, 2018 at Heritage Park in Chilliwack, BC. This Mm. year, the clinicians include... Oh, George Morris is back. Yeah. Because a jumping clinician. Right. That's great. I mean, he really is a legend. He is a legend. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. Steve Rother for horsemanship. All right. So we've seen him a number of times in Trainers Challenges. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the same with Glenn Stewart is back too with horsemanship. Wonderful. Yeah. And Shannon Duick for dressage. Mm -hmm. And Doug Mills with problem solving. Those are all speakers that we've enjoyed before. He's he's a great problem solver. And here's a new one for me. Yeah, you uh, do like the barrel racing. I do. Chad Kreider. I've never heard of Chad Kreider. No, this is one I don't know. I Mm -hmm. would have liked to have seen that one. One of my faves, one of our faves, Jonathan (laughs) Field, special guest speaker. There you go. And then the Colt starting competition is going to, how's it going to be this year? Severin Peterson from BC. Evan Bonner from Washington. And of course, Jason Irwin from Ontario, we should say. So apparently there's a new event uh, this year with the Extreme Cowboy challenge on friday and saturday oh that should be good yeah i'm looking forward to that uh, i wish you could be there oh, yeah. uh, I, and i hope i make it i hope nothing gets in the way but mm-hmm. this is my plan is to be there also many other presenters including Ma- mark fletcher with the masterson method oh and cavalia performer juliet how would you say that i would say cimetier cimetier Cimetier? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Jill Barron uh, with Working Equitation. Who we have enjoyed before as mm-hmm. well. Dr. Billy Hodge with Lameness Identification Using Sensory Technology. That sounds interesting. Plus sessions on saddle fitting, equine nutrition, and more. Yeah. Tickets are available in advance or at the door. Visit www.maineventexpo.com for more information and a schedule of events or call one 844 578 7518. I would love to see people there. And you know what? If you make it and you see me there, please come up and say hi and mm-hmm. tell me that you listen to the podcast. <laughs> so I think we should tell people about our Facebook page as well, right? Great. They can stop by at facebook.com slash inclined and click on the like button mm-hmm. and you'll hear your name when we welcome you at this spot in our next episode. Right. Please remember this. Tell five friends about our Facebook page. When you do, you're helping others learn more about horses and we love to help educate people about the many aspects of horses and other equines. And we love it when you share what you find on our wall and in our podcast episode with others. If we want positive impact for horses in our world, it takes all of us to help ourselves and others learn more about horses. So let us know what you thought of this episode and what else you would like to hear. So do you have an opinion on a horsey topic? Or is there one you wish to cover? Talk to us. Don't be shy. Go to www.facebook.com slash equinelyinclined and leave us a message on the page. 
So for our next episode, well, my current plan is to head to Main Event Expo in Chilliwack, BC, as I mentioned, and I'll be back late on the 23rd. Maybe we can get together then to record our next episode? Oh, we can certainly try. We can we can give it a go, I guess, mm-hmm. eh? So remember, the more patrons we have, the more support we have, so Sylvia can focus on the podcast with no other money-making project distractions. <laughs> go to our equine podcast page on Patreon to help us reach more goals for you horse-loving folk. And make sure to check out the Facebook page because we enjoy doing live videos and you never know what we might surprise you with. I'm hoping to see some. Well, I from guess, you this weekend. Yeah, I guess you know what we should chat about that because mm-hmm. we could probably come up with a few things that might be interesting and exciting. Okay, and please find a non-horse person you think might enjoy knowing more about horses and engage them in conversation. Let them know about everything we do. It would be great to have them join us on Facebook and as a podcast listener. Right. So until our next episode, bye from Sylvia Schneider and Diana Belbar. And give your horses big hugs for us.